0: Best Book Bits brings you Anoop Watts, Instagram, IGTV star, mindset coach, business advisor, and the author of The Cohesion Stamp with a whopping 900 pages. Anoop, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Michael. Pleasure to be on.
0: No worries. Now, for those who don't know the real Anoop, where did it all begin and how did you become who you are today?
1: Well, I'm at the ripe old age of 40 where did it all begin, same place as everybody else, um, mother's womb that is, um, and progress through life, had my ups and downs just like everybody else. And okay, school probably wasn't as normal as, as most people, I was quite rebellious, I didn't enjoy the process, I didn't enjoy being in school, right from primary school through to secondary school um and ultimately that led to me being labeled um as as somebody who is a rebel and somebody who doesn't fit into uh, society why okay um as a child when you don't like something and you you react in certain ways that society may not see as the norm you ultimately get labeled as a bad boy and that sort of led to and moved on the journey was throughout um, to secondary school and this label was kept with me and it wasn't until I got older I realized actually it wasn't a case of me not liking the world or education it was that I learn in a specific way and there were a couple of wonderful teachers along that journey right through to university that that allowed me to learn and express myself in a certain way what was that way well i would say it was more kinesthetic it was more um less around um an abc approach definitely um It wasn't in a traditional approach of of learning, revising and sitting exams because every time I do that or did that, I would fail. And therefore, growing up in a a Indian, British Indian uh, culture where most of your cousins, most of your friends um, and family members are doctors, pharmacist so you know the stakes are pretty high but I was very lucky because my parents are very different they didn't they didn't push that on me um so that was really really helpful so I would say in a nutshell having this certain label really sort of impacted it's a knock-on effect because once you get that label um, and things have changed luckily, because I've been in education for a while, um as a senior leader as a teacher um as, as a consultant, so I can you know see the trend and the change and the support for young people is much more different to what it was. um and every cloud has a silver lining, and me being in the position of facilitating consulting schools and young people, I'm able using my experiences, I'm able to to help them progress harness, understand, etc. So if we keep our eyes open a little bit um, throughout our journey, if we reflect, then we're able to use those things that we might have deemed negative to actually become a positive for the life of others. So along my journey um, of, of hustling, of trying to become something, um, not knowing what that was, Ultimately, one thing that I see now that is incredibly important is reflection and the understanding and the faith that what you go through can be used as a tool for so many positive things. And I ultimately, jack of all trades, master of none, did it all, was okay at everything, including sports. You know, I was never the best footballer, but I was a good footballer. Um, I was was okay at everything, and that was absolutely fine. Um, So having faith for me was a turning point. Um, We grew up in a cultural, uh, very nice environment. I must say, you know, my parents are very very humble. They they were not they were not strict. They were the sort of parents that if I did something naughty they would cry. They wouldn't, they wouldn't tell me off. And that that in itself has a has a has a a very odd impact on your life, you know, but in a very positive way. Um, and and as you sort of get older you, you're able to utilize and see that. Um, and and for me, it was when I I was about 23, and i was at a friend's house you know he was uh he was at university in nottingham and it was um and again a very odd day because the electric the electrics in the house went so we were using candles for, for light um and there was nothing to do and i opened one of his drawers and and he had he had some books and my circle back then you know we didn't we didn't read books you know um and we there was a book called The Path to Perfection, and and it, I was kind of forced into it. I wasn't a reader back then at all, you know. I I had I had a love for books, but I wouldn't read them, you know. Um, and ultimately, I read this Path to Perfection, and it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. Um, it got me thinking a lot, and ultimately, who wrote that book? Uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shilafra Prabhupada. Who is the founder of the International Society of Krishna Consciousness, um, and and his life work um, and the amount of books he wrote um, and the uh, Bhagavad Gita that he had written has transformed the lives of so many people. Um, why why was it when when he wrote it it transformed people and it and you know something that's five thousand years old. Um, is simply because... Yeah,
0: I've done a summary on it.
1: Sorry? you got a summary on it? A
0: little, I've done a, I've done a short summary. I know it's a, a very large book. I've only done a piece of of yeah. uh, the summary the of it. Here, but what, what is what is your religion or
1: philosophy? Um, sorry, I'll just finish this. The key here is as it is. And, and as it is, is because what we find with most commentators of the Bhagavad Gita at present and, and, and historically is that they add their own opinion. And here it was raw take it or leave it this is how it was and what actually happens is it it's it's the purity is there because we're not pure so when we try and present something as a i think yet we're not qualified we have to be qualified for what we do and if we're not qualified then the purity is not going to come across in our speech and our words um so growing up to answer your question, it was a, a Hindu, I don't know how much you know about Hinduism, but it's very ambiguous to say you're a Hindu, know, yeah? You can meet hundreds and thousands and millions of Hindus, yet they've got different philosophies. So it's kind of become this cultural blueprint as opposed to a religious blueprint. Um, and it's so many, it's so vast that if you ask key questions, who is God, you will get 10 to 20 different answers, you know. Um, and this bugged me, to be honest. It bugged me um, from an early age where I, I, I would pray with my parents and we would keep fasts on certain days. But there was a little thing at the back of my head saying, well, who is God? Because on this day I'm praying to God and it's Lord Shiva. On this day I'm praying to God and it's Hanuman. You know, so is God manifesting in different forms? But therefore, who is the originator? You know, who is who is the supreme personality of Godhead? And that's why this book was such a game changer, because I think subconsciously, obviously, I was young, I was enjoying life. But, you know, there was that missing link. And when I read The Path to Perfection, it was saying Krishna is God. I was like, okay, that's interesting because the, every other time I've only seen Krishna, um, it's it's him holding a flute and and chilling out. How can that be God? And ultimately, seek and you shall find. Right? Why is that relevant, Michael? Because when I say from that 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 book was a game changer, it wasn't just a case of saying, okay, this is God, this is me. It's actually a philosophy that you then adopt and mold and use not just on a Sunday. Not just in the morning, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a consciousness. And what does that consciousness do? When you become Krishna conscious, which is, again, um, certainly a way of answering your question, because if you say, who, what religion are you, what do you follow? Actually, if we say we're a Hindu, if we say we're black, if we say we're white, we're still assigning ourselves to temporary designations. You know, at the time of birth, we can burn the body, we can feed it to the vultures. That's just the temporary element. So we're going to have a look at: okay, I'm neither uh, nor any of those identities. I am a spirit soul. You're a spirit soul. You're not. You're not a white Australian in my eyes. You know, um, and everybody is a is spirit soul. And then we understand: okay, if there's a spirit soul, then then then. What's the relationship with God, etc.? If God is Krishna, then that's Krishna consciousness. So that's how I I, I identify myself. Let me uh, let me ask
0: you uh, a question: Where does Christianity fit into Hinduism? Is there any correlation, any overlap, or is it is it totally totally polar opposites?
1: No, or? not at all. Um, and again, you know, it's a very good question because these are the questions that I. Perhaps why I was hitting so many brick walls when I was going through my soul searching process where I was like, well, I'm not going to question it. I don't want to offend anybody, but you have these sort of inner conflicts and your personality obviously is is, is, is quite crucial during this process. And if you're one who likes to debate and, and that's fine, you know, if somebody's got the courage to go through that process, um, they probably get the answers quicker. Whereas me, I was a little bit more reserved. Um, and I would leave it you know I'd say well you know where does this fit in if I was reading a certain text but with when I read the Bhagavad Gita again um, this is the Bhagavad Gita is a summary um, and the crest jewel of all the teachings of the Srimad Bhagavatam which are very extensive so reading the Srimad Bhagavatam after you read the Bhagavad Gita it's like a little tasty. you know it, it's a uh, the Lord says himself that, you know, I, I, am, I am intelligence. I am intelligence. And you can see that in, in, in so many ways. And when, as it's the oldest through our human means, 5,000 years ago, obviously it was way before that because it's eternal. But from what we can understand, and if religion and religious philosophies such as Buddhism, Islam, Christianity um, are a lot younger, Um, then what we can understand is, okay, where do they fit in? And when we're having a look at Christianity, um, we can find various um, elements of of Jesus Christ. and We believe he did exist. Um, We call him Isa. We have a different name for him. And when we further dig, this is the interesting part, because when you say Christ and when you say Krishna, They don't sound that different. And then when we study the life of Jesus Christ and his travels to India, and when we look at different elements such as language and demographics, if you were to say Krishna and pronounce it, if you're going through Greece, you know, it'd be Krista, um, then it would, you know, further east, Krusna, yeah. So what we actually believe is that Jesus Christ was a prophet and he was preaching Krishna.
0: So can I just get something straight? So Hare Krishna is a consciousness and Hinduism is a religion. Is that sort of Hinduism is a territorial term and Hare Krishna is a philosophy to understand God? Is that what I'm sort of hearing?
1: If we're having a look at it from a point of scripture, okay, um, the, the, you've got the Mahabharata, you've got, you know, if we're going right down to the root, then scripture explains who is God. Okay. So Hinduism is ultimately, so it's very, very vast and in general, giving yourself temporary designations of any sort you know it's, it's, it's giving yourself a label whereas if you say that you're a spirit soul and that's very universal um then we can understand that if you're a spirit soul what is your relationship with the Lord, where do you come from? Who am I? What am I doing here? What? Ha, how am I meant to live this life? So that's applicable to everybody, you know. And adding any other label, you're free to add whatever label you want. But we understand that the yeah. very foundation is that you're a spirit soul, um, and you know we have this consciousness, we have this energy, and when we start our process of self-realization you know we, we we can we can further um move in that direction yeah. to to understanding self.
0: absolutely i want to rewind a little bit about when you sort of left school and you left school not sort of getting the right grades but you did go back and get a degree and then obviously became a teacher then traveling uh, all around the world and back and forth between the uk and southeast asia and I wanted to sort of digest a little bit about that, and then we can sort of go into what is AW Manifest and and how your journey sort of progressed after that. If you if you want to talk about that,
1: yeah, yeah. So yeah, I secondary school when I left secondary school, um, I before the exams, you know, a couple of years later, all my friends would play football in the evening. They'd call me out. They say, you know we don't need to revise, forget revising, what do we, you know, they were very rebellious, yet that day, which I remember like yesterday when we went to pick up the results, they all got A's and A stars, you know, and I was just like, wow, you know, you lied to me. You know, it was like you guys were actually revising in the back. I was the fool who was believing that nobody else is revising and and visualising that we're all going to fail, it's fine, we're in this together and it was probably one of the best things that happened to me early on because it was a wake up call and i was left behind everybody so I was, I was i'd fallen behind a year straight away from the age of 16 um and then i had to retake my gcse's um and when i looked back there was there was a number of really really instrumental wonderful individuals uh professionals who helped me um and there was the first one who was uh, very instrumental was one of my tutors who said, "Look, Anoop, what is it you want to do?" You know, I said, "Well, to be honest with you, I love theatre studies. You know, I love acting, I love dance, I love music. You know." And she said, "Well, what do? You, what does your family think about that?" I says, "They support me, but when it comes to actually studying su- such subjects, it's it's really really rare for Asian." to study these. And so she came to my house and had a cup of tea with my parents and said, Anoop's really got talent in this area. Please let him do it. And they said, yeah, fine. And that was a game changer, man. This is when we talk about alignment. This is when we talk about authenticity you know and this is where we talk about what is the message where as parents we should allow ourselves our children to do what they they want to do and why is it important because if they said to me no you have to become a doctor i've got friends cousins and i can see yes they are doctors but they're unhappy they're unhappy you know because they've been they they get the admiration etc but they don't want it actually a lot of them are quite humble and you can see they've just done it because that's what they were meant to do so for me, because my my family allowed me to to study music, performing arts, I was like a duck to water um, and and that's where the grades started you know improving and and you know i was I was um, getting a lot more opportunities, so I finished college, went to university theater studies and and English literature um, got through that, and then it's a very very interesting story actually because i was still i still had that rebellious streak i was a rap artist as well so naturally what happens is when you're when you when you want to be a rap artist you're you're rapping in clubs you have a love for the music but then your your circle is not necessarily a great circle when it comes to things that you see when it comes to influences um and it 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 was something that you know It attracts you it's easy you know what is like poison at first is like nectar in the end and what is like nectar at first is like poison in the end so here you have all the glitz the glamour the bells the whistles that are attracting you you know you can drink and you get a quick high and you could do it on a regular basis and you're on the microphone you're getting the attention and you know so you want more of that um but of course every action has a reaction so my, again, probably the second most instrumental person is Ruth Shade, and she was um, one of the lecturers. And I went to her office on the last day when I went to pick up my results. And she said, she said, Anoop Watts, what are you going to do now with your life? Like that, I was like, oh, well, you know, my sister works in an insurance company and, and she's going to uh, take, take, she's going to find me a little position there. She goes, absolutely not. She goes, you? She goes, you're a teacher. I see you as a teacher. And in fact, I see you as a head of year by the time you're 27. She goes, now get across the road. So was this uh, teaching agency. And it was called Select Teaching Agency. And keep in mind, man, as a rap artist, I, I was, I had my nose pierced. I had eight piercings here. I was, I had this real sort of like, cringe yes now you know this this bad boy look about me this persona so but she had faith in me man she had faith in me you know um and I I still had that lingering thing you know that most of society don't have faith in me so you just have this sort of like well if you don't have faith in me who cares you know I've got I've got Tupac and Biggie you know, so, uh, that, and that's another story on the influence of, of, of gangster rap because I think that that was when I think about it, listening to NW, NWA when you're 11 is not helpful. Um,
0: yeah, and uh, I will, um, I will put some videos in this summary as well. So, a lot of people don't know that Anoop actually raps in his S class and has a song that which has gone viral on IGTV and it's called Sonic Boom. So, I'll put the video in there, you don't have to do it now, but, um, for those who don't know, we're talking to a rap artist right now.
1: Yeah, I don't know about viral, man. It's just a bit of fun. Um, But, you know, <laughs> it's it's those who enjoy it, enjoy it, you know. Uh, and we can, yeah, like you said, we're going to talk about AW Manifest a little later so I can uh, explain a little bit about the sonic boom. But,
0: yeah. So what happened? You you become you become a teacher? Yeah, so, so check a, this school?
1: out, man. It's, it's an interesting story because... um she, she then said to me, she goes, go to select agency. So it's a teaching recruitment agency for supply teachers, right? And she's like, go in there and see if there's any positions available. But to become a teacher, you have to um, do a teaching degree, postgraduate in education. So I was just, I walked in there and, and, and make of this what as you will, right? Um, and they were friendly, right? So I didn't get my usual. Oh, who's this? You know, riffraff just walked in through the door. You know, I was like, and I was all right, man. Like, I know I was. I like, I'm creating this picture, but I was a nice person, you know. It's just that I wasn't as well spoken or anything, and I didn't look the part. But I was all right. And then, um, so I walked in there and I said, "Oh, literally, I was. I think what was I? 21 years old, and I was like, my teacher sent me here to see if there's any anything available, you know, like that. And they were like, "Oh, okay." that's nice, uh, what do you do? do you, you know, I was like, well, I've just finished uh, theatre studies and some dance and, uh, you know, and they're like, okay, and, and and do you speak any other languages? I was like, yeah, I speak Punjabi, Hindi, a bit of Urdu. and they were like, oh, and they were like, Jane, Jane, you're not going to believe this, this gentleman's just come in here and he says he does this, and they were like, no way, and I thought, like, what's going on? So literally before I walked in, five minutes before I walked in, a school had called up and said they want somebody who does dance drama, speaks Punjabi, preferably, right? No way. And then I walked in, yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like, they just they called the school in front of me and they're like, you're not gonna believe this, right? And, I, and they were like, okay, so where's the school? I was like, where's the school? They said Stoke-on-Trent, which is north. So I'm in Wolverhampton at this time. And then they said Stoke-on-Trent. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty far, right? So then, I, you know, obviously I took the interview and I went, and when I went around the school, it felt like, wow, this, I always wanted to wear a suit, you know? And this was like my opportunity to wear a suit. And then there was, then there was conflict at home. It was like, come on, your sister's got you a good position in an insurance company. You only got three days a week in this school. You're going to spend so long traveling there, two and a half hours there, two and a half hours back. And in the end, that conflict, I was headstrong and said, no, this is what I want to do. And then that, that was the start of so many. That was the, it was just like, wow, that's when the path of perfection that was teaching all happened. It was like overnight and because i was when I was teaching, and the first day I was in front of a class, it was literally like, "Yes, this is what I'm meant to be doing and because i and had how that,
0: long did you teach how long did you teach for
1: nine years nine years yeah nine years and then a, and then yeah. what did you do
0: after that? I know you started the a- a dance company as well is that correct
1: oh dance company yeah so this 2003 i started teaching and then obviously as i was teaching as an unqualified teacher then i did my um as i was teaching i did my postgraduate um and then i was teaching in quite a disaffected area so uh, and an, an area where right-wing parties such as edl uh, english defense league whose agenda is to basically um deharmonize community cohesion and therefore the government was really pushing for uh cultural and um uh, yeah cultural awareness so already there was a lack of individuals who are able to teach through the means of tools of dance etc so I was like, wow, okay, I was getting called, I wasn't trying, I would do something with the children and perhaps perform, the children would perform for the parents, I'd, I played a drum and, you know, all of this, and then there would be one person and say, oh, can you come to our school and do it, you know, and then another, how much do you charge, and I was like, mm, how much do you want to pay, you know, and it was that, that's how that came about, and then I thought, okay, so I've always had that entrepreneur heart about me, and I thought. This is a this is a good and this is the thing. My neighbors and my extended family members used to say, "All this guy does is dance and play his uh, da- dance and play his drum. He's a loser." Yeah, and if they saw the money I made from dancing and playing my drum, yeah, <laughs> so it was like that. That was a little story between me and my family, and still to today, you know, he was saying, "Yeah, it was that drum that everybody was cussing you about. That 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 actually, you know." built your foundation and then i created mbg dance i thought i'd give it a little label um and and i create a little group when i was teaching i couldn't go to certain schools so i i um trained uh dance teachers about you know asian arts bangra etc and it was a nice little working business from 2006 to today you know and um and yeah so that 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 was uh that was nice. And then obviously being in an area which is highly disaffected, it was the 28th biggest council estate in the whole of Europe. Obviously the influence of, of right-wing agendas, quite naturally there was a need for individuals like me um, who had a drive to do well, but at the same time um, there was a need for them to have people like me maybe to just tick boxes there's not enough Asian teachers here, you know? So um, we need to use this guy, you know? And when when we get inspected, we can say, well, you know, I I won't, yeah, I won't say what colleagues used to call me, but um, yeah, I was the tick tick box guy at times. But then that ultimately meant that I excelled quicker into senior roles um, and I was immersed. Immersion was quite an important part of the process. And then uh, I got made redundant, which was like everybody at home because what happened there, Michael, I I started appeasing the aunties and uncles where my parents could say, Oh, you know, my, my son is now deputy head, you know, he's senior teacher, you know, so they, what happens is subconsciously, man, you're, you're back to serving that agenda.
0: Yeah. And and yeah, even though you don't enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And was that in 2012 when you left teaching to, to travel the world?
1: yeah so that again man it where, did was, uh, did you, where did you go what did you go what
0: did you do you were traveling nine months out of the year
1: how personal can i get here man? please yeah okay. to o-
0: open up yeah the more open you are yeah. the more people are open yeah
1: so i was in a so all right i went through something that was heartbreaking let's say okay so all of those things that you think mattered actually I didn't give two hoots about, yeah. I just wanted to leave the country because I was heartbroken, yeah. And I was just like, I don't want anything to do with this country anymore, you know, because it, you just associate everything to that um, experience. So I, I literally, I said, look, to my head teacher, you know, I was just like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, and then he was like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? And then. I was like, yeah, I had charity, by the way. Yeah, in you India. opened up a you school. Know, you a opened
0: course. up a school in India.
1: Yeah. Contribute. Yeah. Contribute, yeah, a large understand. project. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that, again, for me, was a, a large discovery of me. Actually, what makes me tick, what is my purpose? Is helping other people. And when I was helping children from disaffected areas in India, every time I would go out there, it would be like, wow, you know, this is, this is where I feel happy. This is where I feel content. So when I went through this turmoil in the UK, it was a no-brainer for me being a bachelor, you know, no ties, that I could actually take this opportunity and go to India and just do my charity work. But the Lord blessed it where I got headhunted um, and, and interviewed to say, look, have you ever done any recruitment? I was like, no. So then ultimately I ended up in India whilst working for a British company um, and and they allowed me to do that, incredibly flexible. Um, but then slowly within a few months I will say, have you ever been to Kazakhstan? Would you mind going to Kazakhstan? Would you mind going to uh, Uzbekistan? Would you mind going to the south of India? Would you mind going to Sri Lanka? Would you mind going to Hong Kong? And the list was going on. Let me tell you something, be careful what you wish for because when I, I used to be, a, I wasn't like a normal teacher. I love to do personal development exercises with the children. Yeah. So when, when you have registration time, you know, it would be catch up time for the children to do their homework, finish their homework, et cetera. It's what normal teachers would do. With me, I would think that's a little bit boring. They should be doing the homework at home anyway. So, you know, let's, I would get one of my books, you know, whichever personal development book, which I thought would be good to share with the children. So this one particular day, I think it was 2010, I said, let's do a personal development um, uh, exercise and let's make it a visualization. Let's create our dream life. Yeah? So I gave them all an A3 piece of paper and I said, you're going to go crazy with it. Go crazy. There's no, no barriers. Create your dream life. You want to draw it, you want to write it, however you want to do it, do it. And they said, "Okay, so you have to do it, too. And we have to go up in front of the class and present it. So I did mine. And I said, yeah, so uh, my name's Anoop Watts. You know, I travel. I'm a globetrotter, you know, and and I I help schools. I help individuals. And I was going for the whole acting thing, you know, and I was like, yeah. And then, you know, I'm sitting here in the UK and my phone rings and they say, Mr. Watts, we need you in Hong Kong. And I say, yeah, you know, it's business class and five-star hotels only. And of course, sir, it's already booked for you. And I get on the flight and I go to Hong Kong. Uh, I do my thing for two or three days. I'm about to come back to the UK and my phone rings. Mr. Watts, can you be in Bangkok tomorrow? Yeah, I guess so, right? So this was what I and the kids today, you know, some of them are still just like, wow, that day, where you say, what you visualised actually came true. I've seen photos and on your on, your
0: on your Instagram wall. if you go back far enough you were uh, were traveling the first class lifestyle of um the entrepreneur and business owner as well yeah
1: yeah, yeah, and it was it was crazy, but at the same time you see. Whilst we're in this material world, all this glitz and glamour, right? And and again it's funny, like the social media thing, how people put pictures up and make this out oh yeah, we've got a happy relationship with my husband and wife, my girlfriend and boyfriend, and yeah, I'm living this lavish life. And obviously that's creating so many problems. That's another subject, you know, um, body imaging and you know, whatever it is. But for me, it was you can have that dream life. When I coach clients now the first question you need to ask yourself is if you're willing to pay the price. Yeah. It's easy to dream. It's easy to think, but you've got to be more educated because one thing that I never thought or dig deep into was jet lag. Jet lag is a serious thing, man. When you're going to Southeast Asia and you're, 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 you know, you've got 12, 13 hour flight and then you're within, Southeast Asia, and then you've got to travel domestically, and then you travel back to the UK and you're back in the UK for two weeks before you get to travel back again. I was like a zombie, you know, I was like a zombie. So that was, yeah, it, it, it you know, obviously I take the hit, you know, it was, it was uh, amazing, but
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you've mentioned you've learned two key skills by doing that over the years, and one was understanding human behavior. And the second was understanding global business acumen. Um, You can touch on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So what was the first one?
0: Understanding human behavior.
1: Yeah. So, and I think a lot of it comes down to how you are um, wired because we're all wired in different ways. and. It's, it's, it's trying to understand how you're wired and what your strengths are, is the personal development process. And for me, I've always been somebody who likes to observe, yeah, whatever my capacity is. Um, and with this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to travel the world in various designations, what I was, as my personality type of observing and journaling, what I was able to, so what I was doing proactively throughout the last ten, ten year, ten or eight years was taking notes. Whilst I'm in Hong Kong, I was doing because I was excited. You know, there was this little thing in the back of my head was saying, "Wow, you were that guy that everybody didn't have belief in, and now you're doing this and you're meeting like I'd sit around with billionaires. I'll be going to um, Ritz Hotel and and i would be I'd be faking it till I make it. It's still, you know, I'll be in that process, but I would be at the same time conducting myself as if, as if I was one of them, you know. But inside, I was like, whoa, you know. And it's it's something that really it wasn't so that I could coach clients. It wasn't so I could write a book. It was just a personal thing that I was is like diary entries of writing. Today I did this. Today I met this you know guy and today I went to view this performance or you know I went here and this person was like this but then I think my natural inclination was connecting dots as I would go to Thailand as I'd go to India as I'd go and I would travel around and then I would so it was something where I was like huh ah. and don't forget so this when I talk about at the start of this conversation we were talking about the soul the science of the soul and you know how having this knowledge, this spiritual knowledge, is not something that you just do in the mornings or on a Sunday. It's something that becomes a lifestyle and a consciousness. Well, this is the same because when you're learning and you become curious about what you're, what you're learning about and, and the philosophy, then you want to actually test it in some ways. You want to see how applicable it is. And when we're talking about we're all a spirit soul, we all have certain tendencies that are similar, you know. then you become very observant of that. You know, so universal human qualities, karma, actions, you know, all of these things. So then I became very, very um, aware of those things. So then when we're putting it into a business capacity, I would further diagnostically break it down and try and understand it. And then that would you'd have the human behavior, which actually, you know, the sum and substance is we're very similar no matter where you're from no matter what language you speak and then there's a there's another correlation between the culture and how that impacts you and your actions um then there's of course education and uh, blueprint belief systems etc um but then the business acumen element is where you use business intelligence now one can that, that is really an eye-opener for me, you know. Being around millionaires and billionaires, it was a sort of like, okay. Uh, obviously, you know, by this time I was, I was an Amid reader. So I'm reading about from, you know, so many different practitioners, from you know, Tony Robbins, to you Jim Rohn, but the list goes on that say that take a shortcut and mirror those who have created the success that you want to create. Observe them, you know. So that's what I was doing. I, I was in a very unique and fortunate position to not just do this as a, using one mentor. I'm there real life in 20, 30 different countries, you know? So I thought I was very aware and appreciative of that fact, and I wasn't going to... I, will, I, I saw it as a peak time, a very fortunate position. So whilst conducting business, I was at the same time putting in the extra work to try and understand um, how business and how business operates differently in different parts of the world, or does it, you know, are there certain, and listen, man, I'm telling you, yes, there are certain things that you can do to tick boxes. Yeah. But authenticity is key. Yeah. And this is my, this is what I've been observing for the last 10 years and simultaneously conducting business and then measuring success on that and then saying all right you know what was it and it doesn't matter where you where you're from it doesn't matter who you are number one is honesty yeah and it sounds like yeah we all know we should be honest actually in my 10 years it was the little little dishonest whether the whether it was Something that was in in someone's mind thought, okay, that was just a little one. You've lost a client because they've lost trust. Yeah. And then it was when when we're talking about authenticity, when people they 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 the when they're being unauthentic, it's very very obvious, you know. So the key is to remain authentic and then add strategies on top of that, as opposed to being somebody else. Because again, you lose a client, yeah? yeah, so when you're working with with humans, no matter, so I would be my key job, I was working with our I w- I boarding schools around the UK that I support with recruitment, and parents abroad who can send their students obviously have a lot of money because we're talking 30, 40, 50 k a year, GBP, so these are already families who work in a certain way who communicate in a certain way and they make decisions quick. They're not actually, you know, but this ending they're a child. Yeah. A 14 year old, an 11 year old. And for me, I was able to see that pretty quickly, you know, like, and maybe that's my upbringing. Maybe that's because I'm a sensitive soul, but I, rather than seeing all that, I was like, wow, I'm responsible for taking your child, from your country to the UK, I must become the mother, I must become the father, you know, I've got like huge accountability here. And because that was my approach rather than the commission, yeah, and, and some of that is not necessarily that I'm just this amazing Mother Teresa type person, some of it was paranoia. I was just like, if I get this wrong, <laughs> if I get this wrong, it's gonna be on my head, you know? So, oh, wow. you know, but that's a positive. Because you're more proactive and you're, you're more thoughtful, and guess what? The parents say, out of all these people in this exhibition centre, I'm going to go for. I've got my top three, and Anoop's one of them. Why? Because he seems that he's authentic, and he. I'm not, I'm not lying, because my history and my testimonials and my um, the, the facts I'm giving are facts. You can you can do your due diligence, you know, which I advise to them, by the way, and I advise, I'm I'm rather cutthroat, and I say I advise you do that for everybody in this room because it's your child, and some of these parents hadn't even think, thought of these things, you know, they, they 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 live such busy lives, and they were just like, wow, thanks for that. We didn't even think that we should be checking everybody. We just presumed they got a British passport, you know, and that everything's okay, you know, so. That never was a strategy of mine, oh right, I'm gonna go in ruthfully, ruthfully honest today and I'm gonna get business, you know, then is also taking the hit where I would be representing a school, right? So before I started my business, I was a director of a, a boarding school. And in this in this capacity, they would um basically they would say um that I uh I I was representing one school, okay. And then what happens is you go to an exhibition centre and there'll be 50 schools. Parents are invited and they would go round and ask what, what the school's like. So it becomes, a, if you're not careful, it's very much a numbers game. And that's where I drew the line straight away. You know, I was just like, how can this become a numbers game? And I'm obviously dealing with recruiters and I'm like, I'm like they're all talking about children as if they're products. And what do the recruiters get? They get commission. Yeah. And I was very much like, nah, that's that's not the way we should approach it. So then I also if a child came to me like they would to everybody else, a lot of recruiters would say, yeah, we can do this. We can do that. You know, and they wouldn't share certain things that are not detrimental, but, you know, would help. So for me, I'd be very clear in studying the, the family, the child, interviewing the child and saying, do you know what? actually, you want to go to that school over there, you know, they're a better option for you. And it's funny, human psychology is funny, because I've said that, and their parents are like, no, 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 we think your school's okay. Well, like, mm, you know, I'm making an educated uh, um, uh, offering here, you know, because I'm basing it on A, B, C, D. So what happens then, Michael? What? Because you sleep better at night, number one, and number two when we're having a look at those who are spiritually inclined, not necessarily religiously inclined, you are in a karmic uh, aura where you're doing good, you have your right intention. And those who are not religious, the next tier down is universe and, you know, the universe gives and the law of attraction and all of that, you yeah? know, which is baseline. But it's still very applicable that, you might lose business, but you'll find that that business will come from somewhere else from the right person at the right time. Yeah, well, that was my philosophy. How, in today. how did
0: you transition from doing that to AW Manifest and the coaching and and all the work you've been all the great work you've been doing over the last couple of years since since I've known you and sort of blowing up on Instagram and IGTV? Um, talk about that. I'm interested. In the transition period.
1: Yeah. So and and again it's another interesting uh, story because so my life before the pandemic was everything I'm describing. It would be back and forth, Southeast Asia, last nine, ten years I'll be um it was it was just full on, quite robotic, very tiring as I mentioned, with the jet lag. Um and I had my my five year plan, my three year plan, and you know my goals, uh, my journey, and it was and it was working and it was all happening, then the pandemic happened. so flights were grounded. you know obviously I couldn't travel anywhere um, and I have offices in various locations around the world. The severity of the pandemic was very different in different locations. Um, So I was getting, you know, from locals and staff what was happening on ground. So I could already see before the lockdown in the UK that this is not good. Yeah, so I started putting contingencies in place, but it's actually worse than I thought because I think nobody envisaged it to rocket the way it did. But we have a choice, you know, and what we do is we can either spiral down into a hole and say, why me? You know, this is depressing. Or we can make the best of a bad situation. And for me, it was accepting, okay, that it is what it is. But then it's having that faith, you know, that. Everything happens for a reason. And there's always opportunity. There's always opportunity. Rather, than, it's what you focus on. If I focus on all the negatives and I can I can roll out a huge list on losses, on lifestyle, going out the window, you know, all of these things. Um, and suddenly being in the UK, depressing. And there was a reason why I kept traveling around the world. <laughs> You know, so it's just like, you know, it kept me going. But now I'm being forced to stay here, so naturally, when you start to become an expert in certain fields, you, 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 you can, you can coach. But I was doing it more as a people were approaching me and asking me. But it wasn't the same story as the dance where I'd be like, "Wow, there's an opportunity here. I'm going to make this big," because I was too busy. You know, so I thought I'd, I'd help the odd person that would say, I want you to coach me. Um, and that worked well for me because I would have a handful here and there purposely. I couldn't take on mass numbers. But again, when I was looking at my five year plan, the plan was that in four years from when the pandemic started, I would start something like AW Manifest. Yeah. But there was that little thing that said, OK, is now the time? Okay, so when I did my pros, my cons, and my my drawings, and I thought, okay, so I'm in the UK, my actual business, which you know, in in a desirable means, I would prefer to be flourishing before I started this, and it, it, circumstances have not allowed that to happen. It is what it is. But then, with the scaremongering that's coming from the media and all of this, I was paying more attention to the statistics of how people are reacting. Yeah anxiety depression suicide bad eating habits and then i've never had social media never used social media just haven't had the time you know all my friends used to say to me if you had facebook you'd be like legendary you know I mean? with your traveling you know you'd just be like oh landed here now but that's never my thing you know um i think it's showing sure off to be honest so you know i was oh I, I yeah I tra- i traveled nice but I'd be the guy who'd be embarrassed as people walk past. I try and hide, you know, I wasn't, I wouldn't, I, I don't like sh- like showing that off. And I would literally, business class for those who use it properly or as it should be, is simply comfort because you travel so much and because you've got a certain window of time that you, when you land, you've got to go straight into meetings, etc. And that's literally what I was doing. I'm a pure vegetarian. I don't drink, you know. So it wasn't for the caviar and the champagne or anything, you know. It was literally just to sleep. Um, The bed, well, that was an issue in itself. But yeah, it was for the comfort level. Um, so, so yeah. So then I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm here in the UK. How can I make? How can I make this? uh, Yeah, social media. So then a friend of mine, Ravina, she said, oh, you know, shall we do a live? On, on Instagram, this is, I'm setting up my Instagram account. I don't even, I've never used Instagram before, you know? And so we did this live and the li- it, was, it was funny because I, I didn't even know how Instagram live worked in the sense of, you know, I didn't know strangers could just pop into the room, you know? And there was um, four or five people I didn't know. And then the moment I finished that live, there was um, messages in my inbox saying, wow, that was incredible. I thought, oh, okay, that's good. I'm um, glad they enjoyed that. And then um, I'll do another one and another one and another one. And it, was, um, it wasn't what I envisaged when I was going to start a coaching company, you know, but it was a journey in itself to try. The way I do it is I'm to, gonna... people say I'm impatient. But I say that impatience is is integral sometimes, yeah? And for me, that impatience became a positive because I I was seeing the statistics getting worse and worse and worse. Therefore, my content had to get more and more and more. And I had to study what my content is, um, marrying that up with the statistics and trying to get, okay, most people are suffering here. And then obviously the followers started going up. And then I was like, wow, I'm going to interview as many people as possible and get their take on on how we can improve our lives, what the situation is, and then the whole sort of it was under the umbrella of inspiration, yeah. And then that that yeah, and then then you've got then you've just got the fun element to it, yeah. And it's that breaking through your barriers, and I had plenty of them, you know, um, because you can see why there's so many so many problems on social media, like you. you, you you have these battles of do I have to fit into a certain category? Do I have to, you know, um, back to, I was back to 2000, uh, back to 1996, where, you know, what are my family going to think of me? And all, you know, it's that sort of limited beliefs that you have. But I was all right, man. I was just like, look, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm, 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 i think I'm 39 at the time. And I was like, for me, you know, I've, 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 it's, it's to help others. It's as simple as that, you know, if it's to help others, you know, I'm just going to do it, use social media, break through my barriers in that way and then –
0: Yeah, so the the coaching came just as a natural thing to help motivate people and inspire people through the pandemic instead of them – worrying about stress and other things, you thought, what what better way to spread positivity and and the energy and knowledge that you have? And I actually coach behind the scenes. I don't advertise it. I've got a small mastermind group where I coach people uh, weekly and monthly as well. Uh, I will sort of come out and talk about it soon because I, I want to reach more people and, and educate more people too. But I think you're going to be one of the biggest educators in the future, myself personally, just coming from that I recently did a book summary coming out soon called It's Never Too Late to Be Great, and most successful people started their life at 40, and everything that they did up until the age of 40 allowed them to get to the level where they could actually bear their authentic self and their true self and actually talk about things that are very, very authentic. So watch out, world. Uh, Anoop Watts is coming to you. So talk to me about your book, 900 Pages.
1: What's that book?
0: Oh, whose book's that?
1: Uh, it's, a, it's a gentleman named Michael George Knight. Success in 50 type. Steps. I, I, yeah. I, didn't
0: know, I didn't know you had a choppy.
1: Love it. Love it. Um, well, I don't want to talk yeah. about
0: my book. I, I really want to talk about your book. So <laughs> the Cohesion Stamp, 900 pages, is it out yet? When's it come in? How do we get a copy? This is going to be part one because we're nearly at an hour soon. So we are going to do another interview called Anoop Watts AW Manifest Part 2 because we are not the Joe Rogan Show. We're not doing three hours. Uh, we're rather do a couple of parts. So talk to me. Talk to me about your book.
1: Yeah, it's about ease, man. It's about going through the process. It's about it's about being able to to change. It's about having the courage to say, look, you know, it didn't work the first time. I'm going to do it properly this time. And for me, the key is, and what I continue to do, is not rush the process because the amount of times now, and rightfully so, where I've thought, you know what, I'm lucky I didn't publish it because that wasn't what I would have wanted to go out. And now what I've got as a result of that is more clarity and more patience to say, hold on, you think you've got it right now, but maybe you're going to have more, you know, to add to it. So that 900 pages has become 1,800, you know. It's it's, uh, it's on a crazy one. So I'm just going to keep keeping it rolling the way it's going. I've added some poetry. I write poetry as well. So um, the poetry element is one part where it really evolved.
0: Don't write a fat book like this, 1,200 pages called The Book of Secrets by Osho. I'm actually intimidated to read it. I've read about 100 pages and I've been sitting on it for seven years. I haven't read it. So please don't make a book that's 1,000 pages. Um, just just release it. You can always do an update version or a part two as well. Get it out to the public. I want to read it. I want to see it. I want to do a book summary. I want to share it. I would say. When can we see it? Is it this year next year? Are we when, when are you going to release it?
1: We're in, yeah, I would say. Mid, mid. Yeah, Krishna Willing, early early um, February next Next
0: year, would you release a couple of chapters? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Would you do that? Yeah. How about I send a couple of chapters as a sample to my audience uh, to learn a little bit about your thoughts? Obviously, uh, that might be a good little thing, and we could sort of release it a little bit. Uh, no harm done. Um, now, before we sort of wrap I up, I'd send I'd that,
1: yeah, send that to you. In a week. Um, and and what I'll do is. I'll send you a segment that I've been working on every single day for the last three months, which is my my poetry compilation on the Bhagavad Gita on self-help approach and marrying the two up for something that's traditionally written and spoken 5,000 years ago to today and how it's still applicable today. And then in the middle, we have us, where we say, how are the teachings applicable today in the sense of what we've largely discussed and authenticity, drive and and, um, outcomes and so many other things. And then I have thought, okay, rap and poetry, what's the difference? I love writing poetry. Um, So let me try and do something different and just write we think in poetry
0: man. here's what we do we'll, we'll we'll do a summary on each chapter and i can interview you and you can talk about it and that way you can share that content with your audience and my audience as well and the people online who find you as well so before we wrap up thank you so much for opening up um we will definitely get you back on and you'll be a regular guest on the show just because of your message and your energy as well i just want to know If you had to have a dinner, and I know you're vegetarian, but if you had to invite three people over, and I know you're from the UK, I've got family in the UK, I've lived there as well, Come Dine With Me was one of my favourite shows as well. So if you had to do a Come Dine With Me at your place, who would you invite, three famous people from the past, and what would you serve them?
1: If I'm going to be honest.
0: It can be anyone.
1: It would be that when we're talking about um, the Bhagavad Gita, and then when we talk about it's so vast that... Krishna actually appeared 500 odd years ago as well in a different avatar as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And along with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this is a very special form of Krishna because Krishna didn't come in his blue form. He came in a goldish form. And in that goldish form, it was his consort Radha and Krishna in one. And then there was Lord Nityananda, which was Balaram. And whenever Krishna... Uh, manifests on this earth. He's never alone. He's with his brother and with Radha. His brother, Balaram. So that's where you got Jagannath, Baladev, Badra, they were three. Rama, Sita, Lakshman, that was three. And in this form, it was two in one. And then there was Lord Nityananda. And then we've got another scripture, a very nice compilation of uh, Chaitanya Chamrit. And what is the Chaitanya Chamrit? It was a, it's all his associates that talk about him and talk about the loving um, and reciprocal pastimes together. So when I read them and they talk about how the Lord would eat with them and, you know, different things that went on, instantaneously, when you when you ask me that question, for me, you know, I try to read daily and I forever desire and long. And it's very interesting that you asked me that question because... It's only really you force me to think, Okay, what do I actually think about when it comes to, you know, my reality in spiritual life? And and my desire is that I sit down and I eat with these associates and the honoring of food is very important. You know, we believe that um, honoring uh, Krishna says one who offers to me with love and devotion a leaf, flower, water or fruit, I shall accept it um and that acceptance it becomes sanctified and it becomes very pure and the process of honoring that food is an enjoyable process and when you're honoring it with such devotees it becomes the highest of the highest of the highest nectar so to answer your question it would without doubt be lord titania mahaprabhu who is two in one yeah so you said three forms yeah that's that's two in one yeah. yeah and um and lord nityananda
0: and what would you serve him a vegetarian banquet
1: you see it's a, again a good question because it reminds me you know one day there's this uh personality his name was sadama and he was he was like really like really 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 like in love with krishna then krishna one day decided to appear to his house and it was just, like, you know he was in shock and he, and he was like saying to his wife like get krishna something to eat get krishna something to eat you know and uh and she gave him a banana, right? And he's got the banana. He's looking at Krishna. He's looking at Krishna. He's peeling the banana. He threw the banana and he gave the uh, banana skin to Krishna, you know, because he's so much in this like ecstasy and it's us and Krishna at the banana skin. <laughs> That's yeah? a good one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's not what we give it's how we give, you know, and if, if it's, if it's with love, and that goes, that's a nice way of concluding this, this yeah. conversation, like what, how I'd like to conclude it, which is just this word. Maybe some people can't understand God. Maybe some people can't understand the soul. But you can understand love. And ultimately, that is universal. And that is something that doesn't cost anything. And that is something that you start a huge journey of abundance and success in whatever sphere. And that's something you should be measuring as your personal development. Personal development, you know, you have so many different offshoots and so many different ways of approaching it, but simplify it and test it. How can I give love? How can I, you know, it's not just the case of a direct debit to a charity. No, it's, it's being proactive. It's, it's your neighbors, it's like, it's everything. And it's your being. And if you develop more and more, that's everybody. Even if somebody thinks they're the most person who loves, you know, this never-ending. You can always give, and then what happens? You get harmony and peace in your life.
0: Yeah, perfect. And so- perfect. Well, what we'll do, we'll leave it on that. And um, where can people find you? I think it's Instagram would be the the number one place where to reach yeah. you.
1: Yeah, you can grab your own Instagram. If you don't use Instagram, just just Google me, Anoop Watts, and you'll find my website. You can message me through there and, yeah.
0: Perfect. We'll have this interview on uh, our YouTube channel as well at Best Book Bits, and eventually we'll uh, blow Anoop Watts' YouTube channel up, which hasn't put a lot of energy into it, but we'll get everything from IGTV up into his YouTube. Follow this podcast. Follow this man. He's doing some great stuff, and if you need coaching, want to talk about manifestation, soul work, anything at all relating to anything, DM Anoop Watts. Anoop, thanks for being on show, Thank and uh, well. we'll get you back and speak to you soon.
1: Thank you, my friend. Take care, and have a good day.
0: Legend, take care. Okay, okay. bye.